listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you've joined us. It's been a wild roller coaster ride on Wall Street this past week. Last week, we saw one of the biggest drops in the Dow's history and the largest since the crash in 2008. And then yesterday, the market saw its biggest single-day jump in history. So what does all of this volatility mean for you and your savings. That's where we want to continue the conversation here on Detroit Today. And joining us to talk about what we should be doing with all of this volatility is Matt Rowling. He is the interim chair of the Department of Accounting at Wayne State University, Mike Illich School of Business. Matt Rowling, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you for having me, Stephen. Yeah. So let's first of all start with what happened. What explains this huge drop and then yesterday's huge jump in the markets? Well, you know, the consensus is that it's about the coronavirus in China. There's so much interconnectedness between our economy and the Chinese economy. Imagine there's a plant in Wuhan and the uh, plant manager is worried about contagion. And so they close down the plant. And the next thing you know, the pistons can't get to Detroit. Ford can't make the cars. The cars can't be sold and the line shuts down. And so I think last week's dip was really a realization by the market that what's going on with this virus might seriously wreak havoc in our economy. And when things like this happen because of specific events, I always think maybe we should think about them differently. In other words, you don't react maybe as markedly as you would to a regular downturn. And speaking of regular downturns, everyone believes that we are overdue for one, (laughs) at least historically we are, and that maybe that's coming as well. How do those two things relate? In other words, the the volatility based on something like coronavirus versus volatility that happens periodically over time and as part of the normal cycle. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the coronavirus is what you'd call an idiosyncratic event, and you know how how you should respond to it. You know, depends in large part on you know kind of where you are in your life and your own personal goals. You know, let's take somebody planning for retirement. Um, you know, that's that's something that's in the distant future. And, and kind of the analogy I like to think of is, you know, when, when farmers plant, plant the corn in May to be harvested in September, you know, the farmer isn't going out in the field every half hour checking to see how, how, how much the corn has grown, right? I mean, if you did that, oh my gosh, it's too dry, it's too wet, and, and you, you course correct in a way that, you know, kind of pulls you away from your long-term goals. And it's it's kind of the, a similar analogy to if you're if every single day you're getting on Fidelity and checking your 401k balance. You know, it's <laughs> it's, it's it's really you know it's, it's not helpful. It's, I it's, saw a lot of people <laughs> doing that over the weekend, well, though, yeah. looking at uh, 401ks and college funds and getting a little a little, little antsy, nervous, right? you know. And, and and but and that's and that's a and that's a rational response to it. Um, and and for most of your financial life, you know, if it's your credit card statements, your bank statements, you know, you should be vigilant. You should be monitoring them on a weekly, daily, monthly basis. But with your retirement account, you know, that this is this these are assets that you're growing for, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years in the future. You know, having said that, if you're if you're closer to retirement, um, you know, hopefully you've gotten uh, guidance from a professional or, or, or on your own that you've started to kind of shift your, your holdings away from the market. And so you're, you're more focused on the preservation of your principal. Yeah. 
Um, so what should we be thinking about in, in the broader sense right now in terms of investment and volatility? When to change the way, when do I change the profile of your investments, for instance, to, to move them from conservative to aggressive? Uh, it, this is a long stretch of growth. And I think as much as everybody likes what's happening overall, it's also confusing in the sense that you don't know when things might change and what you ought to be doing to pr- prepare for that. You know, Stephen, sometimes people say uh, they have someone in their life and they say, oh, I'm a I'm a, I have a friend that's a day trader. I'm a day trader, and I make a living, and that's how I do things. And and, I, and I, whenever I hear that, I, I've had the same responses to when someone tells me they make a living at the casino. I say, you know, it, it it's just not statistically likely. There's there's an army of people in Tokyo and Frankfurt and Chicago and New York that wake up every day with PhDs and MBAs trying to beat the market in the in the in the near term. But you know, nobody's really trying to beat the market 30 years from now. And and so you know the the market, especially from people who are looking at it uh, through the lens of their retirement, it really rewards patience, it 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 rewards diversification, and it, it rewards low fees. Hmm. Uh, one other thing I would add is you know if you're if you're looking at a short term purchase, uh, you're saving for a trip, you're saving for you know kids or uh, tuitions due for yourself or or, or a dependent. Um, you know, you've got that coming in the next 6, 12, 18, 24 months. Again, you're really focused on preserving your principal. And so if you've got a trip coming up in six months and, you know, and you're, you and your partner and you say, okay, well, I want $10,000 for us to go to Hawaii in six months, right? And, and so if you put it in a, a volatile stock like Amazon, right? Well, six months from now, you might have 20 grand or you might have two. And so you might you know, be pulling your partner aside and saying, well, we're going to go to Seychelles <laughs> or, or, or we're, we're gonna not go to, going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> right. So, so it's, it's really important to focus on what, what your goals are and then kind of work backwards. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And my guest is Matt Rowling. He is the interim chair of the Department of Accounting at the Wayne State University Mike Illich School of Business. We're talking about all of the volatility that we're seeing in the markets right now. A huge drop at the end of last week, the biggest since the 2008 crash, in fact. And then yesterday, the market really rebounded and had one of its best days ever. Uh, What are we supposed to make of all of that? And how are we supposed to put it in the context of the longest period of growth that any of us can remember? No downturn since the 2008 crash. If you have questions about that or you're concerned about this recent volatility on Wall Street, give us a call. Uh, How do you think that volatility is affecting your savings and other personal finances? Do these wild ups and downs make you nervous about your financial situation? Uh, And do you think it's the cause is the coronavirus or is it simply time for things to drop just a bit? Correct. A little bit. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. We especially want to hear from you if you are retired or close to retirement, or if you have kids in college or are close to sending them uh, the two big kind of life events that require lots of saving and lots of capital. Uh, do you feel confident that your accounts are in good shape 
uh, and that they'll be there when you need them, given what's going on. Uh, again, we're seeing things go up and down. That's not great for long-term planning. So what should you be doing in the short term? Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Matt, before we get to listeners, uh, I want to ask what role the Fed can play in stabilizing the markets if we continue to see this this volatility. Coronavirus not going anywhere. I assume it will get worse before it gets better. You could have other reactions, I guess, to the market. Uh, what what's what's the role of the Fed in in making that a little more even? Uh, you know, that's that's such a good question. Uh, the uh, this president has certainly staked his presidency on his ability to manage the economy. Uh, the Federal Reserve is an independent body, and so they should be immune from political pressure. But you know, having said that, if you have the president leaning on you to lower rates, you know, you, you, we're all we're all. It's you know, the president telling you to lower rates. Right? Uh, you know, rates rates are at historical lows. I, I think the Federal Reserve rates at one point seven five percent. But if volatility continues, it certainly certainly could be used as a rallying cry for the Trump administration to either. Try to further lower rates, or uh, you know, focus on um, further tax cuts, or maybe other deregulation in order to help spur the economy. Um, you know, increasing or decreasing rates rather is certainly good if you're trying to borrow money. But if you're a retiree or somebody on fixed income, uh, lower interest rates are, are, are economically harmful to your household. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's start with David in Gross Point. David, welcome to the program. And good morning to your guest. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably about uh, maybe seven to ten years away from retirement. I've been investing regularly in my employer's retirement plan. And what I'm particularly concerned about are not the recent changes in the stock market, but how to make a reasonable project, projector prediction about when we might face another recession um, in time to make adjustments to my investment plan. And I'll be glad to take the question off air. Thank you. Hmm. Uh, great question, uh, David. Uh, Matt Rowling, what should he be doing? <laughs> if I had a crystal ball, right? Um, you know, in our, in our, as I kind of look back on my lifetime, the last 40 years, most of the recessions have been caused by the busting of some asset bubble. Uh, tech stocks in 1998, uh, real estate in 2009. Um, the market has been hot, but it hasn't been hot, hot. And uh, if you're ever curious, uh, the, uh, the there's something called a price-to-earnings ratio. It essentially measures how much a share of stock is worth relative to the profits it generate generates. And when you look at that figure for entire markets, you can kind of get a bearing on whether or not it's it's a hot market or a cold market. Um, you know, my my editorial, my prognostication is that you know there there aren't really any clear and present asset bubbles in the U.S. right now to really take the wind out of the economy. But having said that, I think and and I'm you know I have a, a personal view here uh, working at a university. Um, you know the. Um, the student loan uh, burden mm-hmm. of this current generation uh, that's walking out of college is just so great uh, that their ability to to purchase homes and cars and other uh, major purchases that drive our economy is, has been seriously hampered. Uh, so I don't see I don't I, when I when I when I look out into my own you know very hazy crystal ball I don't I don't see a steep collapse like we saw in two thousand nine I see a long slow protracted slide 
because this generation just simply can't afford to, mm. to participate. Mm. Uh, you know, you said that you don't see any real asset bubbles, and and I think that's generally true, right? I mean, it's certainly not like it was in, in 2007, 2008. The, the one I worry about, though, and I wonder what your reaction is to this, is is the car market, which I think has changed a lot since the, the since the crash. And you you see car loans now that you would never have seen before six and seven years. People paying sixty and seventy thousand dollars for cars, basically taking out almost uh, the equivalent of mortgages to do that. I I feel like that is the new subprime, right? That is, it's a really weird and seems to me volatile market that could come crashing down. Am I wrong about that? Uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it, it's, it's really difficult because, you know, a lot of people look at, um, a lot of econ- economists will look at um, how late Americans are, are you know, the, the percentage of uh, Americans with auto loans that are more than 90 days late. And they look at that as sometimes a leading indicator of, of economic decline. Um, you know, as, as somebody that teaches personal finance, I'm 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 not. You know, cars are not appreciating assets. <laughs> they are not assets. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and they also uh, collateralize loans so they can be repossessed. Right. Uh, and, and so I'm. You know, I think people walk into a dealership uh, and they say, "Oh, you know, they don't they don't see the the the, the forty eight thousand dollar MSRP on the Ford F one fifty. They they see a a $399 a month lease payment. And they say, yes, I, I'm gonna, I can do that. I can swing that, right? And, and my, my challenge to, to your listeners is, is next time you're in the car dealership, ask yourself, uh, if a genie appeared in front of you and said, I, I'm either going to stroke you a check for $48,000 or give you a new Ford pickup, which one are you going to take? Hmm. You know, because ultimately it's the same choice. People just, um, you know, and, and when I say people, I'm mean, everyone. We're all guilty of, of behavioral economic uh, failings. But um, you know, think think of the opportunity cost that that vehicle purchase, uh, and and then maybe maybe uh, you know take your you know two thousand five Honda to the dealer to the mechanic to get it fixed. <laughs> right. Okay, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna continue this conversation about the markets and how you should be reacting to all the reaction there. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. Bernadette in Old Redford, Robert in Detroit, David in Farmington. We will get to your questions next as well. If you want to join them, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guest is Matt Rowling. He's the interim chair of the Department of Accounting at the Wayne State University Mike Illich School of Business. We're talking about all the volatility in the markets and how you should be reacting. Should you be changing the way you invest, or should you be sitting tight? Because these are things that just kind of happen from time to time, and they will even out over time. As always, the number on the phone is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook or Twitter and put comments there, and we'll try to work you into the conversation. Let's go to David in Farmington. David, welcome to the program. Morning. Hi. I'm driving in my used car uh, to save money because <laughs> right? I'm at U of M. And... Uh, from when Stephen and I were there, uh, the state now puts in half the money that they did for our 
my kid now being there. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm so, coming up on the same thing, David, with, with my kids. They'll be going soon, and maybe not to U of M, but someplace. And, and the investment is less than it was, so tuition yep. is higher. So how so – how, yeah, go ahead. This has, this has me glued to the market, and I'm very concerned about how the executive branch lowered rates when times were good. And I see that as a bad thing because as times get bad, they took away the bumpers. And what do they do when times get bad? Hmm. And now and I have to be very concerned with putting things in the market when I'm trying to put all this money towards college. Yeah. Great question, David. I appreciate the, the, the call. Uh, Matt Rowling, what is David supposed to do and what am I supposed to do <laughs> about this college question? <laughs> you know, you don't need a college degree to become a software developer. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, you know, it's, I mean, it, David's, uh, David's point is, is uh, absolutely correct that, uh, you know, typically, rate, you know, the, the, the shrewd monetary policy is you raise rates when the economy is too hot to bring things down so that you can lower them when times are bad to to put more money into the system and and we've we've lost that i mean the rate, rates are already on the floor so if the economy tanks there there really isn't a lot you, you can't pull that lever anymore um you know i'm going to say this and and uh you know i know that it, it's it's um you know might be received differently by different people but um, you know, the federal government will loan your child money to go to college and no one will loan you money to retire. Mm. And so, um, you know, when it comes to making decisions about um, tuition with, with, your, with your children or dependents, uh, which is an incredibly, I mean, obviously college is still a huge determinant of lifetime earnings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even though the, the price tag is, is, is uh, much higher than it was, you know, even 10, 15, 20 years ago, um, you know, on some level, your your own finance. I mean, it's, it's kind of like when you're on the airplane and they say, okay, you know, if there's a there's a disaster, you put your mask on first. Um, you know, <laughs> you know, but then you can help others. Yeah. Uh, and so I think keeping making sure that you and and you're taken care of first, and then you can you know kind of reorient around the needs of your dependents when it comes to tuition. Yeah, that's a really interesting perspective. I'm not sure I've heard anyone say that before. So, David, thank you very much for the call and the questions. Let's go to Robert in Detroit. Robert, what's on your mind? Hi, can you guys hear me? Yeah, yep. Perfect. Hey, so, um, quick story. Um, I'm kind of taking a big risk in my life because um, I, I've worked in the service industry for over 15 years, and I know opportunity when I see it um, for a time like this, using the skills and, frankly, the the debt and the PTSD of all of the stuff I've been through and dropping out of Wayne State because um, just not knowing enough about myself. But uh, what I wanted to ask is what's your advice for someone who has a little bit more flexibility um, to start investing? Basically, I want to start a family in Detroit. I want to be able to um, run my business and kind of like Oprah, you need to be able to make money in your sleep. Um, what's something that you would recommend for somebody willing to take a little bit more risk hmm. ah. um, in the next six months? Great question, Robert. I'm I'm glad you called. Uh, Matt Rowling, uh, help him out here. Ooh, um, I'll, I'll do my best, Robert. Uh, you know, six months is a tight window to uh, swing for the fences. Um, and there is a lot of risk. Let's make that really clear. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, there's, there's, uh, you, you walking into a brokerage account is kind of walking into the craziest casino in the world. You can, there's all sorts of crazy products that can amplify returns. 
Um, I mean, you know, literally using using derivative instruments, um, uh, you can you know you can whatever the, if the market goes up five percent, you could your your securities could go up 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 percent. And so there's a lot of if you, if you wanted something really really um, wild, if those are generally tools that are used in in uh, in, in more sophisticated situations than. For, for uh, commercial customers, not not uh, individuals. Hmm. Um, from you know, from my point of view, you know, m- most of my retirement funds are in index funds. Index funds are um, are, are exchange traded funds are managed by a computer, and they essentially track some broad index, the S and P five hundred, the Dow Jones Industrials. But the benefit of an index fund is that instead of a human being who's getting paid a lot of money to make these decisions, the computer's doing it all for you. And so you get to participate broadly in the ups and downs of the market without um, having to make those decisions yourself. Because the other thing about that brokerage account is that there's literally tens of thousands of securities you could purchase, you know, stocks, bonds, derivatives, the whole, the whole kit and caboodle, right? So, you know, when, when people are just looking for, hey, I want to I wanna put my money in something that'll give me a little bit more than, than just these CDs or, or I want to I take a little bit of a risk, you know, my advice, there's the, the ticker symbols SPY, they're called spiders, S&P 500 tracking stock. It, it will, you know, the market's up 10%, the spider securities are up 10%, and you get to enjoy the ups and downs of the market, which over time have proven to to be, you know, to, you know just, just a wonderful uh, creator of wealth for, for households in the U.S. Um, that would be my, my advice. Mm. Yeah. Uh, good luck as well. And be careful with, be careful. with all of that, Robert. <laughs> Please, don't, don't risk more than you can afford to lose. Yeah. Lauren has a, a related question. Lauren, welcome to the program. Hi, I'm um, a millennial and I just kind of wanted to bust into the stock market. I wanted to know if now would be a really good time to buy since the market is up and down. Yeah. Great question, Lauren. Uh, is, this, is this a buying opportunity? For especially young people who are starting out with their investments, yeah, you know when you're when you're when you have time, you have the greatest resource to help you with wealth accumulation. Um, and uh, you know earlier in the conversation, I talked about the uh, the the uh, price to earnings ratio. And so historically, the price to earnings ratio of the s and p five hundred, which is a very broad based stock index, is around fifteen or sixteen. Meaning that you have to pay about sixteen dollars for a share of stock that will generate about one dollar in earnings, right? And uh, the S and P five hundred is still, even in spite of what's happened the last week, the S and P five hundred uh, price to earnings ratio or multiple is about twenty two, twenty three. Last time I checked, so it's actually still kind of warm. Mm-hmm. You know, having said that, sometimes that number spikes to thirty, forty, fifty, and beyond, and so. Um, you know, it's it's kind of in line with with where it's historically settled. So um, now I think is a brilliant time uh, if you're if you uh, the caller said she's a millennial uh, for you to be in the market. You know, when you're when you're 65 or you're 55 and you have tuition coming or retirement coming, then you start to kind of mix away from securities in the market. But right now, when you're young, you, you've got to it's, it's okay to be all in. Yeah. So Lauren, go take that plunge. Get your money into the market. Uh, Bernadette uh, in Redford. I've got Good about morning. a minute left, but I want to get to Okay, let me Go be ahead. quick. Um, what is the relationship between lowering the Fed rate and consumer loan rates? What do I care if the Fed rate is lower? Uh, I'm not going to be getting any more money um, than the half a percent I get in a savings account. Hmm. 
Uh, great question, Bernadette. I, I, that is a wonderful question. That's a very, very, very smart question. Um, and and I, I'm going to use the word trickle down and hopefully I don't get uh, carried, you know. I can, You've got like 30 right? seconds um, too. <laughs> so so, so uh, all, all consumer debt, mortgages, credit cards, auto loans are all priced off of the Fed rate. And so theoretically, by lowering it, we should all pay more when we borrow money. We should all pay less when we borrow money. All right, Matt Rowling, Interim Chair of the Department of Accounting at the Wayne State University Mike Illich School of Business. It was really great to have you here for this conversation. Thanks for coming by. My pleasure. All right, remember to tune in tomorrow. Latino USA host Maria Hinojosa is in town for our event at the Senate Theater in Southwest Detroit tomorrow at 7 p.m. She's going to join me in studio for the show as we talk Super Tuesday results and immigration policy right here on Detroit Today. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station. Your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.